Hello, you're listening to sermons done by Pastor Matt Brown, pastor of First Baptist Church in Clearfield, Pennsylvania. For more information, check out our website at fbcclearfield.com. To 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. What I've done uh, the first two weeks in the new year. So I've taken 1 Kings 19 and I'm preaching two sermons on it. So last week was the first part. If you missed it, feel free to listen to it sometime as we looked at the reasons behind Elijah's discouragement. And this week, of course, is part two, which emphasizes the way that God interacts with Elijah and how he encourages him. You know, there's a story in the newspaper of the of the Christian Texas Christian advocate that gave this story. And it says that it happened at the siege of Ladysmith. A civilian was arrested, court-martialed, and sentenced to a year's imprisonment. He was a discourager. He would go along the lines and say discouraging words to the men on duty. He struck no blow for the enemy, not one. He was not disloyal to his country. He was just a discourager, and that in a critical time. The fortunes of the garrison and the town hung in the balance. The court-martial adjudged it a crime to speak disheartening words in an hour like that. You see, that court-martial saw the dangerous power that discouraging words could have. And like that time, uh, the time that we are living is a critical time in our lives as we've just been through 2020 and now even in the 2021, uh, in this past week, uh, uh, didn't look too good either. And we went through a tough year and now we go into another and In a critical time like this, what we need right now are words that can cheer our discouraged hearts. And I believe that our text this morning holds just that, a encouraging word from the Lord. So what I want you to do is bring all of your discouragement, bring all your despair to the Lord this morning and let him cheer your heart with the truth of Scripture. Open up your heart and let the balm of God's word soothe your discouraging spirit. Because I know there's a lot of discouraging, discouraged people, especially after what we went through this week. And so before we go any further, let's read a a portion of our passage. 1 Kings 19, and we'll read starting in verse 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rock before the Lord, but the Lord was not on the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not on the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. 
And when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abamahulah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel shall he, Jehu, put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So since this is part two of this chapter, I want to just briefly recap where we were last week. Remember, we saw the drastic emotional change that happened in Elijah. If you remember, he went from Mount Carmel. He went from this confident victory on Mount Carmel to the fearful despair in the wilderness as he ran for his life. Jezebel threatened his life. And so we saw this move from faith to fear. And what it demonstrated to us was that sometimes you can go from the, the mountain top of victory to the valley of despair, right? Sometimes you can feel that way. Isn't that so true? It can happen so easily. You're, you're, everything is going so smoothly, and then all of a sudden something happens, and you're down in the valley of despair, of discouragement. We saw his reasons. He thought his ministry was a failure. He, he felt like everything he did was meaningless. He, he saw Jezebel just make this threat on his life, and it made him think Israel's leadership is never going to change. Baal worship is going to go unchecked. He was discouraged. He thought he was the only one left. And so loneliness and fear and discouragement were all wrapped together. So to make Elijah just want to give up and throw in the towel and say, I'm done. He thought, why keep going? Like, what difference does it make? All of that time and effort did nothing in his mind to change Israel. And so we, what we did last week was we connected his his feelings of discouragement and despair to our feelings of discouragement and despair and how we can feel the same sort of things in our lives. And that led us to land on the truth that even the most mature people of God can experience this, can experience discouragement and despair. So don't feel like you're the only one who gets discouraged, for even mature believers can experience this at times. Even Elijah felt this. But of course, God doesn't desire for us to remain in the valley, right? He determines to help us out of the valley of despair. And we see that's what happens in Elijah's life. Because he goes from despairing and asking God to just take him to getting up and getting back to service. And so according to our text, what should we do when we're in the valley of despair? And so our point for today is remember the God who you serve. Remember the God who you serve. You see, as you go through this story, you realize that what changes for Elijah is that he has this encounter with the Lord. What changed for Elijah was that God was helping him to remember who he served. Through the ways that God reveals himself and talks to Elijah, we're shown how God can encourage and uplift us when we're in the valley of despair and discouragement. Really, we're reminded of who we serve. And so you, the first way that you see is we're actually in the wilderness time, when Elijah's in the wilderness. 
And so you, he's in the wilderness. He wants to give up and be taken by God. He falls asleep under this broom tree. Uh, but God sends this angel to him, right? And, and he wakes him up and, and he gives him food to eat. So it's like, think about this. It's like Elijah is saying to God, I'm done. Just take me. And God says, no, here's some food, right? Here's some food. and Keep going. Here's some food. And Elijah falls asleep after he eats it, and, and he's awoken again. He's fed once more, and the angel tells him he must eat because the journey is too great for him. He goes and he, he, he travels 40 days in the wilderness until he gets to this Mount Horeb. And this Mount Horeb is actually another name, interestingly, for Mount Sinai. And so maybe you have picked up some parallels, right, between... Uh, uh, Elijah in, in, in Israel's history, even of Moses possibly, it's reflecting the story of Israel being fed in the wilderness with Fana. As well as you remember, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So it's like God is teaching something to Elijah here in the wilderness. And it's that he is the God who strengthens. So just like Israel was provided for and strengthened in the wilderness, so Elijah is provided for and strengthened by God in the wilderness. As Israel went through this trial of 40 years in the wilderness, so Elijah is going through this trial in 40 days in the wilderness. And so I believe it's God's way of helping Elijah remember, remember what he did for Israel. But also, Elijah probably thought about the times in his past where God provided for him. Remember, during the drought, he was fed by ravens. He was sent to this widow who had, like, nothing, and yet God did a miracle and her food never ran out. And it's through this food that God is is saying to Elijah, remember me, right? Remember how I fed you miraculously? Remember how I fed Israel in the wilderness when there's no food? And I gave manna from heaven and I gave water out of a rock. Well, I'm not done. I'm going to give you exactly what you need. I'm going to give you the strength that you need no matter what you face. And that's amazing because we serve a God who strengthens. So when you are discouraged, you look to him and he gives you exactly what you need. Like Elijah, we need his strengthening grace. When we're at the end of our rope, we, he gives us strength that we need to carry on. When we are discouraged and despairing, God intervenes and says, I have what you need. I have what you need. And so we need to arise and eat from the sustenance that God provides because the journey is too great for us without it. Left to our own power and and in strength and energy, we wouldn't make it through the trials of life. But nourished by him, we can go on in the strength of the Lord. And so when you're discouraged in life, think about where are you looking for the strength to go on? Are you looking inward? Like, I can do this, right? And you quickly come to realize that uh, your strength is feeble, it's limited. And this is actually going to lead to further discouragement. Maybe are you playing, a, playing just giving up, saying, I'm done, I don't have the strength to do this. 
or are you looking to the ultimate power supply, God? It's always a, it's always an important time to rely on the, upon the strength of God, but especially when you're discouraged and you're despairing. So is your discouragement right now coming from feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, stressed, depleted? If so, remember the God who strengthens. In your wilderness, he will give you the strength that you need. So go to him. He knows precisely what you need for your journey. Just like he provided precisely what Elijah needed. Because he knew the journey was too great without it. And so don't push God away. But in those times, arise and eat. That is, receive the strength that God gives graciously and abundantly. But we also see another way that God reveals himself to Elijah. And it happens on the mountain. So Elijah arrives at the mountain and he goes into this cave. um, and And he stays there. And God asks him why he's there, and Elijah, of course, tells him his reasons for coming. And in grace, God spoke to Elijah and asked him why he was there. You see, God didn't have to speak to Elijah. Elijah should have just kept serving and obeying him. But in love, God uh, met Elijah where he was and sought to encourage him. And really, that's the kindness and, and grace and love of our Lord. You know, there's a story uh, that John Jackson, this superintendent of a Methodist mission in London's East End, he talks about how one time he was walking along a street in Whitechapel when he saw uh, in the shop window a notice that caught his eye. And the notice said, Amazing grace, supplies exhausted, completely sold out. And so the reference of, was, of course, to the popular hymn, but it made an impression upon it because it was extremely ironic. Uh, because it reminds us, though, the supplies of the hymn may, uh, amazing grace may run out. Of course, God's actual amazing grace never runs out, right? It's never completely sold out. The supplies are never exhausted. We very often fail him, yet he keeps reaching out to us in grace. He takes us where we are and meets us there, as he did Elijah. And so he doesn't, of course, speak to us audibly as he does Elijah, but he has spoken to us in Scripture. And so maybe you're wondering the the answer, the answers to life's biggest questions. He has spoken to you through the Bible. You want to know why you do the things that you do, why other people do the things that they do, look at his word. You want to know what you should be doing in life and what pleases him, scripture has that information. He has spoken, and actually he continues to speak to us through the word of God in front of us. His word is active and living. And every time that you look at your Bible, you should think this is God's very word to me. This is grace. This is truth. This is what I need. The sufficiency of Scripture. And so like God did with Elijah, his word pierces down to the deepest parts of us and asks the question, what are you doing here? It pierces down and says, what are you doing here? 
It's like, Matt, why are you in the valley of despair? Child, why have you diverted from the path that I gave you? Why are you running? Why are you fearing? Why are you despairing? And that's the thing is God asked him this question and it shows that God listens. Right? He listens. Even though he knows why, why we are in the place we are in, he knew why Elijah was there. He wants us to share our hearts with him. He wants us to give our concerns and our troubles and our fears to him. Do you share your heart with God? Do you go to him with everything that's on your mind? The Lord wants you to share it. As we see even with Elijah, God knew he was there, why he was there, but he wanted him to share what he was struggling with. No one enjoys a person who only speaks but never listens because they seem like they don't even care about you. But thankfully, God is never like that. We have a God who not only speaks, but he also listens and he wants to hear us. So are you downhearted, despairing? Remember, you have a God who speaks to you through his word. You have a God who listens who wants to hear from you. And so it reminds us that in our our discouragement, we are not without God's presence. Really, his mouth is speaking whenever you read the Bible. His ears are listening every time you pray. And just like God showed Elijah that he was still there, God wants you to know he is still there. He is a God who is there. By revealing himself to Elijah, Elijah understood that God was present with him no matter how far he ran. It didn't matter that he ran away from everyone else into this desolate place. God was there. And so in your darkest moments, remember that you serve a God who's always with you. There's no distance you can run that he's not there. Think about this. There is no loneliness for the Christian that is actually ever truly complete isolation because the Lord is always present. Elijah, in his despondency, needed to know that God was still there. And God reminded him by strengthening him, speaking to him, listening to him. And of course, there's another important aspect that comes out. It's very crucial for Elijah and for us to remember this part. And it's that he serves, we serve a God who is still at work. A God who is still at work. You may be wondering, where do you get that idea? Well, let me explain. According to our text. Elijah's there on the mountain and he's in the cave and God speaks to him. He says, go and stand on the mountain. And, and And he goes there and... And a strong wind comes through and, and it breaks rocks in pieces and the Lord isn't in the, isn't in the strong wind. The earthquake arrives, the Lord's not in the earthquake, followed by a fire. Again, the Lord is not in the fire. And finally, this soft whisper is heard and Elijah covers his face with his cloak. And it makes you wonder, what's all going on here, right? Well, first, did you notice any similarities between Moses and Elijah? 
Both Moses and Elijah were on the same mountain and encountered God. Both hid their faces when the glory of God came. And did you notice this, this earthquake, this fire? They relate what happened at Sinai when Israel and Moses were there. In Exodus, the Lord descended on the mountain in fire and the mountain trembles. So you know something's going on here, right? There's too, strong, too much strong parallels going on here. And we see that the place that God revealed his glory to Moses is the same place that God reveals his glory to Elijah. And so you see the parallels, but then also makes you think about what's different. Because there's a big difference. Because to Moses, to Israel in those days, it was fire and trembling and thunder and lightning. But to Elijah, he reveals himself not in the dramatic wind, earthquake, and fire, but in a soft whisper. Well, why is that? Obviously, God is making a point, isn't he? And the point is this. Though God can and does work in dramatic ways, he doesn't always work that way. Sometimes he works in ways that are quiet and subtle. But that doesn't mean he's not there. That doesn't mean he's not working, for he's always working, even when it's not noticeable. You see, God sometimes chooses to work in a way that is like a soft whisper. If you listen close enough, you can tell he's working, but it's in a way that's not always as clear and dramatic to us. You see, think about Elijah. He was so used to the miraculous, wasn't he? God had done some amazing miracles through him and through his ministry. And now God is teaching him that he doesn't always work that way. He sometimes works in ways that even his most gifted servants don't recognize. Elijah didn't have to be discouraged. Why? Because God was still at work. And this is so important for each of us to remember. You know, see, we, we always seem to expect God to work in just these clear and dramatic ways. And sometimes he does, but not always. Of course, he does work in those ways. Sometimes he heals someone in a way that you just know God was clearly working. Sometimes he provides something to you right on time where you could easily recognize, man, God was dramatically present in this moment. But there are scores of times where God is working in your life, sometimes like a soft whisper. He's working quietly behind the scenes. It may not be clear and dramatic to you, like an earthquake. But that doesn't take away the fact that God is working and he's present. Many, many times he is silently doing things that you are unaware of. Just think back on your life. Think about the ways that God has provided for your needs. Given you strength, grown you in spiritual maturity, worked things out in some way. And many times, weren't they in silent, subtle ways? Where in that moment, you didn't really notice it, but maybe now you look back and see, wow, look at all the pieces. God was at work. And like Elijah, we can get discouraged and despair because we think 
we think that everything's a failure when we look around us. But God is teaching us that he is a God who is always working his purposes and plans, albeit sometimes quietly. Sometimes he's doing it quietly. You see, Elijah was thinking, it's a failure, right? Nothing is working. No change is happening in Israel. I'm the only one left. And using a whisper, God demonstrates to him, no, Elijah, just because you can't see it doesn't mean nothing's happening. What you did wasn't a failure. I am working and you're not the only one left. And so by the authority of the word of God, I say to you, Today, you serve a God who is not done. He's not done. Though you may be discouraged by your circumstances, as you look around, our circumstances can make us discouraged. You can be encouraged that God is still at work. And so we trust him. We trust his ways that he's not done. And after God's presence is in this soft whisper... God once again asks him why he's there. And of course, if you you notice, Elijah repeats the same exact thing as he says the first time. And that's when God responds and he actually answers his concerns. And so Elijah was saying that Israel is uh, keeps rejecting God and and God tells him that Elijah is going to anoint these these three different people who would make a difference in Israel. And he would anoint as Haziel and Jehu, and that would display God's sovereignty, sovereign reign over history, how even the leaders of the nations are under the control of God, and they're going to play a part in his plan. And the anointing of Elisha shows Elijah that God was not done, but actually Elisha would continue the ministry of Elijah. So Elijah thought Israel would never change. He thought it was all a failure because he thought, if Mount Carmel uh, won't change things through me, then nothing will change. That's his thinking. But he was dearly mistaken because the work would continue. It would continue through Elisha, continue through these kings, and also God says it would continue as he says, I will leave 7,000 people who wouldn't be Baal followers. You see, what God was doing was helping Elijah move away from the skewed mindset and actually to see things from God's perspective. And that is actually extremely helpful for the discouraged person where we must be pushed to believe truth. Because you will just go down a spiral of discouragement if you keep believing lies, if you keep believing a skewed mindset. We must believe truth. We must push, be pushed to remember that our view of our circumstances isn't always reality. We may look around and see failure, but God sees victory on its way. We may look around and see hopelessness, but God sees a wondrous plan coming to perfection. So will you trust your own perception or will you trust God's word? You see, when you start uh, moving away from trusting your own mindset and instead trust what God says, you'll be amazed at how the discouragement will dissipate and it's replaced with comfort and hope knowing that God has this. God has a plan. 
And so, discouraged believer, God is still at work. And like Elijah, he's not done with you. God was not done with Elijah. He told him pretty much to get back to ministry. And, and it wasn't because God is this mean master saying, I don't care how you feel, just get back to work. That's not how he's, how he's doing it. But instead, God is reminding him, who, you, who do you serve? Reminding him of the great plan still to be accomplished. Reminding him of the awesome role that he got to play and was privileged to play in it. And let me tell you, if you're living and breathing right now, then God still wants to use you. And what an honor it is to play a part in his plan. But will we get up and get back to it like Elijah in courage and trusting God, or will we be idle and brood in our circumstances? And so what we see this morning is that when you're in the valley of despair, remember the God who you serve. Remember who you serve. For many of us, discouragement and despair can come upon us as quick as, as, as fast as the speed of light, right? It comes so easily to feel defeated. But when these emotions start to come over, you remember who you serve. And the God of all comfort uh, will bring comfort to your soul. So are you discouraged because you're exhausted and tired and overwhelmed? You serve a God who strengthens. You don't have to live life in your own strength, but you can rely upon the strength of the Lord, strong and mighty. Are you discouraged because you just keep grasping at straws to get answers to different things? You're coming up empty. You're wondering what to do next. You serve a God who speaks. He hasn't remained quiet. He has given us truth and he, he directs us and, and he gives us hope in his word. Are you discouraged because you feel like you just can't go to anyone with what you're struggling with? You serve a God who listens. His ear is always ready to hear your cares and concerns. So won't you go to him today? Are you discouraged because you're just so lonely? You serve a God who is there, who's always present with you no matter what you're facing. What about this? Are you discouraged because it seems like evil is winning? The future looks bleak and nothing seems to change for good. You serve a God who is at work and who is not done. Though his work is not always seen in dramatic ways, his work is ongoing, always hitting at its intended goal. And so... In light of the great God that you serve, I say to you, like the writer of Hebrews, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. You know, the story of Elijah, Elijah, sorry, Elijah reminded me of Moses, of course, as we saw in many different places, but also of Jesus. Think about some of the parallels. Who also spent 40 days in the wilderness? And was ministered to by an angel at the end. Jesus. Who also went up on a mountain. Not covering his face from God's glory. But showing his glory as being the son of God. There he was transfigured before his disciples. And guess who appeared on that mountain with him? Moses and Elijah. 
And yet, even amidst those two great heroes of the faith, God the Father said, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. And yes, yes, we will, because he is the Savior of the world, the greater prophet than Moses. For he didn't hit the rock in anger, but he is the rock who gives us living water. He is the greater prophet, better than Elijah, who didn't run away from his mission and discouragement, but set his face to Jerusalem and for the joy set before him endured the cross. And because of him, we find peace and encouragement and joy since he is the spotless Lamb of God, slain in order to take away our sins and raise so that we could have life. So if you haven't trusted in him today, do that today, for he is the only way to be saved. And for those who trust in him, maybe you're a believer, but you're just so discouraged lately. Remember that Christ is the fountain of all encouragement, whose streams continually flow to us, refreshing our parched discouragement with his glorious grace. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, there are so many people discouraged right now, despairing, struggling. You know, there's many who um, are lonely and discouraged and struggling because of losing a loved one. Many are discouraged and struggling because they look around and see the, the way that our country is going. Many who are discouraged just because of just this different things, maybe job, family, different things going on in their lives. We're just overwhelmed with life right now. And I pray for those who may be in that position to remember who they serve. The God who is there, the God who speaks and listens, who strengthens and who is still at work. Help us to do that. Help us to turn our eyes up to Jesus, as Becca sang this morning as he is our only hope in life and death. We praise you this morning in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's stand together.